this is Chris, and welcome to Through the Never. Today's a special episode. I have my wife, Lindsay, with me. Say hello. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and we want to talk about Hometown Rising. It's a festival we went to last weekend. This is the first year for Hometown Rising. It is a country music festival, part of the Danny Wilmer Presents lineup. Louder Than Life's been going on in Louisville for uh, several years now. Then uh, a couple years into that, they started doing Bourbon and Beyond, and then this year they started Hometown Rising. It should be an annual event, but today uh, this was the first year. Also, they have moved their festival ground location to um, what's that called? Kentucky Exhibition Center. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. So it was on the fairgrounds right outside the Exhibition Center, right next to Kentucky Kingdom, where it used to be in Champions Park out by the river on the, the east side of town. So new location, new festival. It was a two-day event, and um, we, we decided to go and check it out. So I think, based on what I've seen at the Louder Than Life events, it had a pretty awesome turnout. It, it was slow to get started, but by the end of the night, it was really packed, and I would suspect that uh, they made good money on that, and they'll continue doing that, and probably might look at expanding that to a three-day festival, which means Lindsay may not want to go again. That's right. Three days is just too much for me. So I uh, I had a good time, and I would, I would go again. It was my first uh, big country event, but uh, the lineup was good, and there was uh, a lot of solid acts, so... How did you feel about it? And they've got some ex- some festival experience. Um, have you been to a country festival before? I don't think I'd ever been to like a whole weekend festival before. No. What was that one you mentioned? You went to Cheyenne something. Oh, ago? Cheyenne Frontier Days. Yeah. Is that um, they do like rodeos all day, and then they do concerts at night. Okay, so it's not purely a music event, right? Um, how was this compared to that? A lot different because um, you had all kinds of different people at the Shining Frontier Days where um, some people weren't there for the music at all. And then you'd have some people that didn't come all day long and then only came to the music. Um, so so this was quite a bit different as far as that was concerned. Um, bigger acts, and of course, all, all the way smaller acts that we had never heard of until we looked at the lineup beforehand and looked into some of these people all the way to, you know, the larger acts that were there. That's one of my favorite things about going to an event like this, because you've got those acts that are fairly unknown or they're, they're regional to wherever they're from. And I always walk away from a weekend festival event like that with some new names to go check out, some new artists that um, I never heard of before that I, I want to look into further. And also, I run into ones that I'd heard of before, but didn't really catch my attention, or I just heard in passing that really stood out or impressed me, maybe because my expectations weren't there, but also um, just because the the live experience is sometimes just so different than the the recorded version anyway. So did you have a good time? Would you go again? I did have a good time. I would go again. Um, with some hesitation, I, I think I mentioned to you that maybe festivals just aren't my thing. Maybe I'm just not cut out for like full days uh, of that. 
Um, but I did enjoy it. There were some smaller acts there that I really enjoyed. Um, and then, of course, the larger acts as well. I, Luke Bryan I had seen before, um, and he always puts on a good a good show. So so it, it, it was definitely fun. It, it was a fun event. So depends on the lineup and the length of the, the event. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. So let's let's get into more more details about this particular event. I had some things, uh, you know, I've been to Louder Than Life every year. They've successfully had one, and you've been to one of those. And so you you have the older location to compare to. How did you feel about the newer location? My first thoughts when we came in the gate was it just didn't look as nice. Like the, the other felt more like you were at a park and there was green space and there was, um, you know, it, it, I guess it just felt and looked more comfortable. That was the first impression I had of the place. Well, it's, it's definitely not a park setting here. Like the, the location had a lot of trees and uh, that's one of my notes here is that Shade was kind of scarce in this place. There was a lot of trees at the old location, and so there was more picnic tables. There was more, like, loungy places. Now, uh, this one was a little harder to find comfortable places. I also have a note here that there was a lot of dusty gravel areas. So um, you get a, certain parts near the stage. Some of it was grass. Some of it was gravel. It was a little drier and dustier um, just because it wasn't as much of a green space. They tried to set it up where there was plenty of green space, but it, um, I also felt a little more confined, especially after it got later in the night and there was a lot of people there. We couldn't spread out as much. I think the other location was actually a little bit bigger, which um, concerns me a little bit about this year's Louder Than Life because every year I feel like the turnout is bigger and bigger, and I was worried about them exceeding the uh the capacity of the previous location and this one i feel like uh, is not as big or at least the layout makes it feel that way and i'm worried about capacity uh, of that event that's coming up and i'll be there for that so we'll see um also there was a lot of um chairs and blankets which is not something that we find at louder than life we typically see that at a at like a Nashville country event uh, on a holiday or something like that. But um, there was a, there was a different mix of a crowd. The, the demographics were a little bit broader than than some of the rock and metal shows that I go to. So um, there were some older folks. There was uh, a lot. I don't want to say, I don't say. There was more people that really wanted to have chairs. I'll say that. So there was a lot of lawn chairs and there was a lot of blankets and there was designated areas for that, which was fine, but they exceeded capacity by the end of the night. And the area closer to the stage, which should have been, uh, you know, general admission standing only, uh, was covered up in blankets too. So it was really hard to navigate. If you had to leave to go to the bathroom or get a drink, you were having to step over blankets and piss people off. But there was no other option and they were not supposed to have blankets in those areas or, or set up chairs. And, um, I felt like that kind of made things a little harder, a little more difficult and a little more crowded. Um, at times in the day or by the time we got into the evening, I kind of, 
I kind of uh, like the idea of having a chair, but it, it really made it more difficult, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely would have liked to have a chair at some points during the event. Um, and I can understand the need for it at an event like that, but I, I think if they're going to continue to allow that, it does need to be monitored better. They they did the chairs. The chairs all stayed in the designated spaces, but like you mentioned, the blankets did not. Um, and that definitely became a problem as it, you got later in the day and it got more crowded and more crowded and you're like literally stepping over people laying on the ground in the middle of a huge crowd on their like, you know, big 14 by 14 blanket taking up all this space. Um, so I can understand allowing the chairs. I definitely think it, uh, that the blankets need to be monitored better um, because it did cause problems as, as the night went on. I felt like there was there was a lot of people working there, but nobody was really enforcing any of that. And I think part of that was just that it was the first year, and they were just trying to make sure everybody was having a good time. And I don't, I'm not going to fault them for that. But uh, yeah, that may be something that they look at a little differently going forward. Who knows? Um, some things that I did like about it, I felt like they did a really good job with the video screens. They had three large screens around them. You know, one of them glitched a little bit a couple times the first day, but they ironed that out for the second day. But for the most part, they had really good uh, picture quality, and they were huge. One, on, uh, They had two main stages side by side, and so there was a screen on each end and, and also one in the middle. And um, they did a good job rotating some different shots and making sure everybody had a view of everything that was going on and even the size of the crowd as it got later in the night. So um, I felt like that was a pretty good visual and the sound quality was really good too. Um, I, I remember several times just walking by and being further out, like behind even where the chairs were. And the, it was very loud still and very, uh, the quality of the sound was pretty good. So I have, plenty of outdoor events I've been to that I wouldn't be able to say that. So I'll give them credit for that too. How'd you feel about the sound? Uh, mostly really good. And I agree, you know, you could be way back in the back of the crowd and, and still um, hear it very clearly. But who, who was on the first night? Tim McGraw? Was yeah. It Tim, Tim, McGraw's Tim McGraw. Was like, I was like, one. we got to back up. Like it got very boomy, but yeah. I think that's typical in a lot of concerts, even outdoor and indoor as you get further into the lineup and you know, it's got to have to do with bands that have more money and have more gear and they just crank it louder and louder and louder. And I so. agree with that, but I don't feel like Luke Bryan was as bad on the second night as Tim McGraw was on the first night. Yeah. And that could be personal maybe, preference. Maybe it my ears be, were blown. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe some of that too, but Probably, you know, they're, they're going to have their different sound engineers that are doing that. And that may be just a preference that they go for. Um, hard to say. That, then again, maybe somebody realized it was too boomy and they made some adjustments. Yeah. Going the second yeah. night. I, um, it's hard to say. Um, I felt like, you know, we, we just did the standard general admission tickets, but they did offer VIP and also a what they call top shelf VIP. Uh, being in Kentucky, let me go ahead and say this. The events that they have, and they're doing three, three weekends in a row, Hometown Rising, Bourbon and Beyond, Louder Than Life. They all have this Kentucky bourbon and um, 
sort of man food uh, sort <laughs> of um, theme going on. So like the main stages were called the oak stage and the barrel stage. So they have this, this theme and it'll go throughout all three events. So they have VIP and then they have what they call top shelf VIP to kind of go along with that theme. And so VIP amenities uh, included, you know, special bathrooms, special merchandise um, lines. And um, I think like at the bathrooms are air conditioned, they had uh, maybe special drink pricing. They had a shaded area to hang out in that was special for them. And they had an up close uh, viewing area. It was sort of like a bleachers, I believe. And then they had the front section that was kind of roped off. So like, I don't know, maybe 12 people deep or something across the front oh, of the stage. Really. I mean, they had a pretty good so, size area up front where we couldn't get to because okay. we were challenged. Yeah, so nobody could get up next to the stage except those VIP. Now, the top shelf VIP had all those perks, plus they had another um, another section that they could go to that was special to them where all their drinks were included and maybe even some of the basic food. Hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres, yeah. So, and... Um, so they had um, that was very expensive tickets, but if your drinks are included, depending on how you want to party, that may be worth it. But I, I just want to say that their VIP offering had a lot of good things going with it. Now, it wasn't enough for me to want to spend the money, but it was uh, it was pretty neat for them to to have those options. One thing that I that really stood out to me with this event is that the set lengths were really good. Each band had a pretty fair amount of time to play. Uh, a lot of times these festivals, they start with like 20-minute sets and they slowly work up to getting maybe an hour, maybe a little more than an hour for the headliner. And we pretty much started off with about 30 minutes to a set. So even some of the smaller bands were getting 40 minutes, 45 minutes, some of them. So, and then the, the headliners were getting 75 to 90 minutes which for a festival that's going all day long that you know has more than a dozen bands every day, that's pretty good. And and really their turnover was awesome. They would finish one on the main stage, five minutes later they'd start the other side. So that's the quickest turnover I've ever seen at a weekend festival. Really fast, less than five minutes sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you know a band might go over one minute and the other band might start one minute early. So it was really quick. Now they had a third stage across the field. And they had um, some of the lesser-known acts down that way, which we checked out a little bit, mostly the second day. But um, you know, their their turnover was a little bit longer because they were only on the one stage, and they tried to rotate where there wasn't too many playing at the same time. But with the main stage going back and forth all the time, there was definitely overlap. But um, all the major names and the, and the headliners were all on the main stages and they they had a really quick turnover and i was i was impressed with that um sounds good i feel like uh the layout of of the festival was pretty good i wish the bathrooms might have been just a little bit closer to the main stages because uh well mainly because of the side we picked to be on uh we were on one side of the sound booth which is kind of in the middle of the crowd we had to kind of go around that to get over to where the bathrooms were so that was sort of annoying, but partially just our choice of what side we wanted to be on. I feel like overall they had enough bathrooms. That's That's been something that has been a problem in previous festivals I've been to. They had enough bathrooms. Um, the layout was pretty good. They had food 
and drinks pretty much accessible at every corner. Now, one of the things I will bitch about is they did not have any craft beers. I mean, I mean they had Stella, but that's pretty much it. I didn't see any. They didn't even have any Blue Moon or Yingling or any of those like standards. They had a craft beer tent, huge craft beer tent. They had capacity to serve about eight lines at a time, maybe ten even. And it said craft beer all across the top, and then all of the taps were Bud Light, which is kind of funny at a country festival. I wanted to laugh at it, but I was also a little bit annoyed because I was looking for, you know, a, a good beer, and that's all they had. So I had to drink more whiskey and bourbon instead. So you found drinks that you like, though. I actually tried something for the first time. I had seen in the grocery store that Natural Light had come out with a seltzer drink, which I've been doing a lot of White Claw lately. Um, so that's what they were offering there um, at their tree bar that they always have. Um, before, I had gotten like uh, Angry Orchard and that type of thing. But this year, they were offering a couple of selections of the Natural Light seltzer drinks. Um, and they were only six bucks and, you know, prices at a festival. So I pretty much drank that. I had like one maybe bourbon or whiskey drink and then pretty much the seltzer drinks the rest of the time we were there. That tree bar is pretty cool. They do have a, uh, it's, it, they had the same thing at the old location. They had a tree that wasn't far from the stages, kind of a mid location between the two main stages, uh, just behind the crowd. And they could serve 360 degrees around this tree. And um, typically they, they had beers, water, and soda. This one only had water and the two seltzer drinks. Oh, no, wine, they, did have, they did have two options for, for glasses of wine. Yeah, they did have that. So, um, so the tree bar is, is a pretty cool uh, feature that they have. Something I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about the, the turnover on the main stages is I felt like – the set times were respected by the bands. That's something that I've, I've seen get abused before. Bands running over their time. Bands actually bitching into the mic about how they were getting cut off before they were through. Stuff like that. All the bands came in, they did their job, and they wrapped up like they were supposed to. Really professional with that. So uh, that was really cool to see. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say that has something to do with them. I don't know if that has a genre related or if that's just uh, the event, like really pushing that, but it was, it was well done. So that was pretty cool. Um, now we talked about there not being a lot of shade, but we did find more so the second day because we were exploring a little more early uh, when we arrived, but we found some shaded places that they provided or, or that the vendors provided. It was pretty cool. There was a, bar towards the back that um was it a was that jack daniels sponsored bar that had the tvs the sports bar it was like a, yeah mm -hmm. it was a sports bar yeah so they had tvs because it was that day was a sunday they had some games on and there you know of course they had they had drinks there and really it was it was just a covered like tent a huge tent so you could go in there um they had some like like lounge chairs and some like bar stools and tables and just like shaded grass where you could just sit down. So a lot of times people were grabbing food 
and then bringing it into a place like that and just even sitting on the grass and eating it just in the shade. And that was a welcome, you know, find on, on a hot day. That, that weekend was hot. Also, we found a couple of the bars were set up where they had sort of an indoors situation where you can go through a door and they would have an air-conditioned space. So that was pretty cool. And there was another little, um, um, in previous uh, Louder Than Life, they would call it a speakeasy. And so they wouldn't advertise where it was. You had to kind of find it. It was like a little path between stuff. And it was like a covered area. And you go in the back and then there would be like a lounge area with some picnic, uh, picnic tables, like uh, patio style tables with umbrellas. And um, they had cornhole set up and uh, little games you could play, but really they had, a, I think, a, more like a couch, like a patio and, style yeah, like couch. Yeah, patio uh, sofas. Patio sofa, mm-hmm. so with the pillows and all that. So we kind of uh, we got some drinks and like went back there and just hung out um, while we were waiting on the band that we wanted to see. And it was just nice to get in the shade for a bit. And so there were places that provided shade. So um, it was cool to see that some of the vendors taking that into account and uh, finding ways to provide that as well. Something else that stood out to me, and I've seen this before, and I didn't, but I paid more attention to it this time. They had a sign language interpreter, and she was between the two main stages under the central screen, and she was doing sign language for, you know, I guess going through the lyrics, really, of, of the, the acts. And then, of course, as they changed the acts, they would switch out interpreters so they wouldn't be worn out. But they were... All of them. There was at least there two was that two. I noticed. I think there was two girls. Just the two? They alternate. Or I noticed on Sunday, at least, there were the two girls that alternated back and forth between the main stages. Well, they were so energetic. It was entertaining just watching them. I mean, it looked like some kind of contemporary dance kind of thing sometimes because they would they would really get into it. They were not, having fun. Not not just um, you know the lyrical content, but just the uh, the dynamics of the music. They were kind of dancing as they did Feeling it. Feeling it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like if if you had trouble hearing, not only would you get the concept of what was being uh, said through the lyrics, but you would also get sort of an interpretation of how the music was and, and what was going on and the feeling of it just by kind of watching her, her smile, her reaction, and her uh, expressions, and just the way she was kind of dancing around. And then occasionally there would be like a guitar solo or some kind of guitar break. And then she would play air guitar just to kind of emphasize. And it was just fun. And, you know, I've seen that before at events, but it didn't really get my attention before. And I think just the the enthusiasm and the skill of these interpreters really caught my attention. And I think it's really cool that they have somebody doing that. I, I'm assuming the promoter set that up but have you noticed that before i've seen it before um but like you said it was they were definitely into it um i also think it was pretty awesome that several of like the big name performers um acknowledged them and basically were like thanking them in their own way and recognizing them for the work that they were doing for the hearing impaired yeah yeah i do remember several of keith urban um, was one of those that, that climbed up on her little platform and hung out with her for a little bit. And there was a couple others that would pass through from stage to stage because when they were performing on one stage, the other one was doing turnover, but the stage would sort of be vacant. They'd have some workers in the back, but 
they would a lot of times switch over and run over to the other side just to be in front of that side of the crowd. And unless they were going through the backstage area, which they did sometimes, they would come across the front, which means they would go up and down the stairs onto the platform with the interpreter. So they would sometimes stop and hang out with her for a little bit and, um, you know, kind of give her a hug and let her know that they appreciated her. So that was really cool. I want to speak on some of the acts in particular that we saw. I made some notes for the ones that stood out to me that I enjoyed. One of those um, early in the day, the first day was Noah Guthrie. Uh, do you remember this one? Yes. This one, uh, he had sort of a smoky, almost Chris Stapleton kind of voice, a little bit more slowed down stuff, but he had a good vibe. He had a really cool, interesting tone and um, his songs were entertaining. They well, kept my attention. you in. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kept my attention. So I felt like that was a good a good way to kind of open. Yeah, I think he might have been the second act technically, but the first one we saw. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one that I remember was the Steelwoods. This was one that uh, we've had recommend to us. I enjoyed them pretty good. They were a little more folky, not not in a bluegrass way, but more of a, I almost want to say more of like a Johnny Cash kind of vibe. I mean, yeah, a little... Old more, more, school. I don't want to call it traditional. It wasn't like old country. Um, I did, I did enjoy it. We didn't get to see the whole set, but I do remember they were worth going and checking out further. Probably not really my thing, but okay. it's, my brother loves them. So yeah, well, they were they were early on in the set too, so we were still trying to get a feel for the place. Some of these we got to really absorb more than other ones. And one of those was Lindsay L. That's that's one that we were excited to see. Uh, Lindsay, Big fan. Yeah. Lindsay has seen her um, opening for someone else before. Um, I have not seen her perform. I've actually met her before, but I have not seen her perform. And I really enjoyed her, her stuff. She has more of a, uh, well, she's a big fan of John Mayer. So a lot of her stuff kind of feels a little John Mayer-like, but also kind of country. But she's also an amazing guitarist, does all of her own like lead guitar work. And uh, so in a way, she's got a little more of that Keith Urban kind of appeal is, is for, for me as far as um, enjoying the, the guitar playing part of it too. And she put on a great performance. They had a, uh, a place for her to kind of walk out into the crowd a little bit. And she definitely took advantage of that going out there and like playing, like laying on her back and just uh, kind of just really having fun with the crowd. And I think she got like a full 40 minutes for early in the day, which, which is awesome. Um, I'm trying to remember if she played any covers cause she's done that on occasion, I think, but I feel like she did play maybe like one cover, but I was actually excited that she didn't play her any covers because I'm a fan of her music. Um, so I was hoping that she would, you know, display a lot of her yeah. songs, and she did. And and I was happy about that, but people that maybe don't know her maybe yeah. would have preferred the covers because she definitely do, does a good job with those most of the time because, you know, as you mentioned, she's she's got a big talent for, for playing. So Right after her, Jimmy Allen, I actually had listened to his album, um, I don't know, months ago, and I was not impressed. He had a hit single. And I, I liked his tone. It's, um, you don't see a lot of black country artists, so he's got that kind of novelty too. But I just really couldn't get into him. But he put on a great performance. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed his set. And uh, 
he had a lot of good crowd interaction. He uh, it actually came out during Lindsay L's set on a on a scooter. Don't remember anything specific about his performance other than I really enjoyed it. He did a lot of covers, but like not the whole thing. Like he ran a bunch together oh, because he did like a lot of talking. He did, had a lot of monologue, like leading into things, and then he would do like a chorus and a verse of something, and then he would talk again, and then he would do a chorus and a verse of something else, you know. Um, but I agree totally. Like, I like Jimmy Allen, the couple of songs that have been hits on the radio. But when I sampled his other stuff, I was kind of like, eh, you know. But he was a good performer, a good entertainer, definitely. Yeah. And then after him, um, Cadillac 3. Now, I had heard of them, and I probably had heard a clip of them, and I knew that I wanted to check them out, but I, I didn't remember any details. But actually, I wrote them down as one of the standouts for me. They were a bit country, a bit rock and roll. They they were uh, sort of a mix, and they were they were a three piece. And it was a guitar and vocalist, a drummer, and the other guy played what they called a steel bass. I've never even heard of that, but it was set up like a steel guitar, like it was on a table. He had like a specialized table built. And he had more than one instrument on it. And I couldn't really see because he was elevated. But they uh, they referred to it as a steel bass. So I don't really know. The sound for a three-piece was nice and full. And they did a lot of, uh, a lot of slow kind of rocking tunes. They gave you kind of that southern rock vibe. Yeah, they had that. But I mean, some of it was almost, almost ACDC-like. So they had a bit of that. And then they... They had some, um, almost a bluesy kind of country tone sometimes too. So I don't know, it, it sort of didn't fit in the category, but um, the vocals were inspiring and the the play with the crowd was great. They had some people up front that you could tell were huge fans that like knew everything, followed them everywhere. So, so they have a, a following going for sure. Yeah. After that... Dwight Yoakam was one of the artists, and, you know, it's really outside of what I typically enjoy, but that was one I was looking forward to. I mean, I'm familiar with some of some of his songs, and they are definitely more of a traditional country, but I don't know. Um, he has sort of a sort of a country Chris Isaac or something. He's sort of got this really mellow tone that still... Uh, I don't know, still gets my attention somehow, uh, even though otherwise it wouldn't normally be on my radar. But I really wanted to kind of check it out live. He sounded good, and I'm not sure what, how old he is, but he's late 60s, I would imagine. He looks old. Yeah. He looks old, but <laughs> when he sings his sort of classic songs from his younger days, he sounded exactly Sounds the same. The same. Yeah. So um, he still put on a good show. My expectations weren't high there, but I was curious. I agree. You know, those, those songs of his that um, everybody knows that takes us back to junior high. <laughs> okay. uh, after that was Little Big Town. Now, Little Big Town is a band that I've taken Lindsay to see before. Most people that have heard of them at all know they have four vocalists. They sound really good together vocally, but what's interesting and you don't really get this on the recorded stuff, but when we went to see them before, I noticed they uh, they kind of take turns doing songs where they do the leads. So you get a really uh, a mix of 
of all of them doing vocals, and it really made the uh, the live show more interesting. And this was no different. This was a bigger stage, a bigger crowd, a, a bigger everything. I think they did a well, they did a cover of Rocket Man, yes. which I was not expecting, mm-hmm. and it. It was different, but it was really good. They also had a screen. You remember this, right? Behind they, them. they had a screen kind of in the back, mm-hmm. really like it, like music video style, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, they did. And something I really enjoy about them is, like you said, they all get an opportunity to kind of be in the spotlight. Karen is their lead vocalist, and she has a lot of um, their hit songs. They are all super talented. And they all, you know, deserve to be up there in the spotlight. And, and I feel like they just work really well together. Like, they just, I mean, the way they flow up there on stage and stuff. And, and they seem like they genuinely enjoy being up there together and working together. And, you know, every time we've seen them, that they, they've put on a great show. Yeah, and the only person left on the first night after that was Tim McGraw. And like, like you mentioned earlier, his sound was really loud. It was all of a sudden yeah. the bass kicked up really loud and it was very boomy and we kept backing away from the stage. His band was really cranked. There was a lot going on and, and something else. The metal band Slipknot uh, gets a lot of uh, comments because they have nine people in that band. Tim McGraw had nine people on stage. It was very crowded. Maybe that also contributed to how much sound was coming out, but um, it was just a lot on stage. You know, something I've noticed too going to country events is every time you see it live, it's always a little harder than it is recorded. It's almost like the recordings are made just for an average country music listener. And then when you go to the show, it's almost more like a rock show. They they crank it up and I almost feel like they play it a little heavier. And everybody that's in the crowd is just really into it. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it that way, but it's definitely something that stood out to me. Have you noticed that before? Is that just me? Yeah, that makes sense. I think they um, think people are there to party, and um, they want to you know, give them a loud, rocking show. So. That was the end of night one. Um, day two, actually, because it was Sunday, was a little bit shorter. There wasn't as many bands. And we also took more breaks because we were tired. So I have less to talk about on that day. So this will move a little faster now. Um, the first one we, we took notice of coming in was Gabby Barrett. She's only 19, a finalist in American. I don't think she was number two. I think so. All right, runner up. I know she was well, at least in the top four. I, I, I want to say she was number two, but it might have been number three or something. Um, she did a couple of covers. Of course, she's new. She doesn't have a full album out or anything, I don't believe. An AP, um, I believe. An AP. And um, she did really well. I mean, she... I thought she was good. I mean, she's a good vocalist, yeah. obviously, and she she wants to be a little bit of that rocking side of country. Didn't so. she do uh, Cry Pretty? Is that her? Yes, that? she did, yeah, because so. I said good for her for taking on a Carrie song. Yeah, yeah. Carrie Underwood's not easy to sing, and I, I don't think anyone was disappointed with, with her version of that. Uh, she did she did good, and uh, yeah, that was a pretty gutsy thing to do. So she kind of got the day started for us. The next one I've got that I enjoyed was Low Cash. That was back on the main stage. I did not know anything about that band. 
they have really two guys that do the vocals. So it's sort of a, uh, a duo there. And one of them played guitar a lot. The other one, I don't think, picked up a guitar at all. Um, he ran around the stage a lot, though. He was very active. And they kind of took turns with the lead. Um, and they have several hits. But also, something I learned, they have written songs that have been hits with other artists. And they played at least one of those Oh, it was a Jimmy Allen. Yeah. Okay, so that was a Tim McGraw hit. Mm -hmm. Tim McGraw actually opened his set with that song. So that was a strong song for his set. But just knowing that they were writers, that, that's kind of interesting, too. They put on a good set. I did enjoy that. I did not know that I was going to recognize that yeah, many they of their have songs. Yeah, a few, few hits out there that you recognize. Yeah. After them was Brett Michaels, and if you don't know, Brett Michaels was the singer for Poison, and this was his solo band, and I really wanted to check this out just because I was curious. I had this impression that he was sort of uh, full of himself, Axl Rose type, if that helps. I don't know. I mean, he does come out on stage wearing a shirt with his own face on it. What does that say? I mean, <laughs> it's... Sort of, uh, it's fine for a band to wear their own merchandise, but when you have your face covering your own shirt, it's just a little bit over the top. I actually was very uh, entertained by his set. He actually sounded really good for his age. I'm not sure how old he is, but I imagine he's probably 60. And really sounded like he was genuinely a nice guy. He he made several comments about. He came off like he didn't feel like he deserved to be invited. That kind of thing, which was totally different than, than my impression of him. I, I, I enjoyed that. So did you? Yeah. I mean, he did a good job. He sounded good. I was not a big Poison fan. So yeah, even though he played a lot of songs that people there knew, which was what he was trying to do to make them, you know, enjoy his set versus some of the new stuff he's got out that nobody knows. Well, that's another thing, too. Like going into it, I, I went to check out some of his solo stuff that was supposed to be country, and it was garbage. It was awful. The writing was terrible, and it, it just wasn't it wasn't good at all. And he played none of those songs. Zero. Zero. Like, he did Poison stuff. He did some covers, and I think he did some other maybe solo band stuff that was earlier on that was less country, but still his whole set still fit in the festival well. Like I think it really still played to the crowd. So oh, I thought that was good, you know. I am going to be seeing Guns N' Roses pretty soon, and I just hope that Axel has maintained some vocals just nearly as good as, as Brett Michaels did, because he sounded good. Um, after that was Jake Owen. Not really a fan. Lindsay likes Jake Owen. Loved it. But I will say he gets the award for the coolest guitar. He had a Paul Reed Smith that was chrome, and it had blue lights on the inlays. And it was the craziest, coolest guitar. And they had lots of guitars there. And they had a tent where they were selling guitars that had different uh, artwork done on them. But that guitar, I've never seen one like that. So he gets he gets an award for that for me. I thought you were going to say award for coolest outfit. You no. didn't like his under-the-sea suit? No, his he wore a <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you would you would have thought he was... Uh, playing a set with Jimmy Buffett or something. He, <laughs> he had this sort of 
he was wearing a suit. It was like a, was it a green? Bluish, it like greenish. Like a blue green. It was yeah. like some sea color. Yeah. And it had like crabs and lobsters and <laughs> seashells and uh, surfboards. He I don't know. I love the beach life. Let's it was a that. beach life. And he wore, no this, shoes. wore this suit and no shoes. And uh, he had a good time. I will say that. You wanted to have a good time watching him perform because he was having a good time. Something else that he did that I thought was really cool is he pulled this guy out on stage who was a songwriter for one of his hits. Do you remember what song? Oh, no, not I don't remember the song. If you think of it later, tell okay. me. But he brought the songwriter out and... Oh, had, the one about his hometown or whatever. Homemade? Homemade, that was it, that was yes. It. I, and that was a good Homemade. song. Mm-hmm. So he, he, the writer happened to be there. He brought the writer out on stage, made the writer sing like the second verse or something. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that that guy was not used to performing and was overwhelmed by the whole experience. And it was very touching. It was very cool. That's something that country music does a lot is to try to recognize the songwriters. And I think that doing that in a public space like that was really cool. So I thought that was very nice of him. Um, Next was Keith Urban. And by far, he was the highlight of the weekend for me uh, with the musical acts. He is I've always referred to him as country's Bon Jovi, but after, and, and you know, I know he's a great guitar player, but after seeing him live, he is not only country's Bon Jovi, he's Bon Jovi plus Richie Sambora. And Lindsay's looking at me funny. That was Bon Jovi's guitarist. who was awesome. Okay. Anyway, I mean, he, he can do it all. He can sing, he can play, he can play crazy good. He played the bass guitar on some songs once that he recorded the bass guitar on and so his bass guitar player would switch out and play an acoustic guitar or whatever was needed. So the band was flexible. There was a lot of dynamics in the show. There was a lot of instrument switching, which was pretty cool. The production wasn't really over the top, but there was a video wall behind him, and there was a lot of lights. There wasn't a lot of staging, but he utilized the other stage. He ran over there and played some. Well, he utilized his uh, video screen because on his new album, he has a lot of duets with people. He has a lot of guest artists. That's right. And he used his video screen, and they did their parts on the video screen for his songs. Um, Obviously, The Fighter with Carrie Underwood was one of those. They had special footage made for the live shows is what I think. Yeah. But it definitely was cool, and he had another song, too, that was a duet. Uh, at least two. Yeah. His, and, yeah. His new album has several on it where he's brought in female artists to, to put on his songs. So anyway, that one was, was my favorite. Lots of crowd interaction. He's a great entertainer. His accent's fun. Um, overall, he was, he was the highlight for me. And, um, then finally it was Luke Bryan. One thing that's always impressed me about him, just seeing him on TV or, or do different things is that He's really a musician. He doesn't always play a lot during his shows, but he can sit down at a piano. He can pick up a guitar. He can pretty much pull out any song that you throw at him, and he knows it, and he he can hit it in key. He can sing whatever. Um, He's definitely more skilled than you would ever know just listening to a record. So that's one thing I kind of knew already going in, so I respect him for that. Now, um, he started his set by driving out on a four-wheeler that had a platform mounted to the front of it, 
and he drove up to a mic stand, which was raised up like 12 feet. And then he got off and stood on the platform and sang the whole first song, uh, rocking kind of back and forth a bit on top of this four wheeler, which was probably the most country thing I've ever seen. (laughs) It was, it was entertaining. Like that was great. That was a great way to introduce your set to a crowd and to get people excited. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he gives off definitely this good old boy country vibe, and people think he's just out there uh, shaking his booty and singing some songs when he he actually has some real musical talent. Um, but always, always throws a party, always puts on a, a good show. Uh, um, I had seen him before, and um, and it's fun, even if you're not, you know, like a crazy fan, you almost can't help but just like kind of getting into it because he really, really puts on a performance. Yeah. And you you mentioned shaking his booty. There were times where the camera did catch that and you should see all the flashes going off. (laughs) Anyway. um, One thing I didn't make a note of is, you know, Luke Bryan was a judge on American Idol and he did bring out Gabby Barrett, who we, who performed earlier that day uh, to sing a song with him. I believe it was, um, most people are good. Most people are good. Is that, the, is that yep. the actual title? Yes. So she came out and sang that, and they made it a duet. And that was pretty cool um, since they have that American Idol connection to kind of be supportive in her. And her performing to that size audience because by the time he performed, the amount of people there oh, yeah. was ridiculous. It was crazy. In fact, um, Hometown Rising social media posted a picture later on that uh, was sort of a thank you and this was incredible and it was sort of a a wide almost panoramic shot of the crowd all lit up in the lights and it was impressive it was kind of crazy and then you look at that and you're like oh my god i was in the middle of that somewhere and thank god there wasn't a fire or something some other emergency because there uh there's a lot of people in that space but um overall the heat was intense during the day, but at night it was pretty pleasant. Yeah, so hot during the day, but very nice at night. Overall, did you have a particular actor? Was your, Keith Urban was my standout. Uh, I enjoyed Keith Urban. I, I would give you my top three, which would be Keith Urban, Little Big Town, ah, top four, Lindsay Ellen, Jake Owen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so which one did you have there, Lindsay Ellen? Did you be fired? Well, and Jake Owen, he, I like Jake Owen but his performance was better than I expected. He, okay. he was a good, he was a better entertainer than I expected. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I did not really expect to get into his performance, but he kept me entertained. Mm-hmm. So, okay. He exceeded my expectations. So, yeah. Um, so typically when I finish a festival like this, I have somebody that I walk away being impressed with that I had no idea about or I had low expectations for. Who would that be for you? Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen. Mine would have been Cadillac 3, I think. Just because I expected Keith Urban to be good. And yeah. I expected Lindsay yeah. L to be sure. good. Yeah. So Cadillac 3, I really didn't have expectations other than I thought they would be a little bit more in my wheelhouse. But I'm going to go and listen to them more now. And I'm looking forward to their set at the next festival that um, I'm going to. Yeah. Or the second next festival I'm going to. <laughs> but I will be seeing them again this year. So... I am looking forward to that. So, Jimmy Allen, you're going to go back and listen to his album now? I really, I just didn't expect much from him, and I enjoyed it. So, it was just, 
I guess I had zero expectations for him, and then I enjoyed it. So it makes me think he's got potential, and hopefully more he has more stuff to come to show. You know. Yeah. So for anybody that was curious about the event as a whole, there were probably another good twelve acts or more that we that we did not get mentioned. But I really didn't have anybody that I listened to that thought was terrible. I think the ones that that we didn't see, there may have been somebody in that group that uh, we might have had more negative things to say about it. But really, all all these that we saw, we enjoyed at minimum, um, if not like really had a good time. So overall, I really enjoyed Hometown Rising. I would go again next year. Um, not by myself though, so we'll have to see <laughs> if you're interested. But for a first year event. Um, had a had a good time. I think it did really well. It looked like they sold a shitload of tickets. There was a ton of people there. They need to bring more beer selection next time, but uh, maybe cut down on some of the chairs. I don't know how they would do that. I really don't know what the solution there. I feel like if they said no chairs, they'd lose half the they, audience. I don't know about half, but a good twenty percent or more would be like, screw it, I can't stand that long. And and I get it. I do. We'll see what they do next year, but you, you never know. It's it's the first year, so they'll make some adjustments. But anyway, wanted to go over um, that event and talk about how it went and what we liked and what artists that we enjoyed, and maybe you should go and check some of those out. Um, I definitely would recommend all of those we mentioned, really. If you're exposed to country at all, you probably have seen or heard of them in passing. And then you've got sort of the legendary acts of Dwight Yoakam and Tim McGraw and everyone else. So anyway, uh, I think they had a really good lineup as far as options. Do you feel like they did pretty good as far as getting some a few traditional ones, a few up-and-coming artists, and then some solid uh, main stage Yeah, calibers. for sure. I mean, um, you know, Luke Bryan, Keith Urban, Little Big Towns are going to be... You know, Tim McGraw's big, yeah. Yeah. And um, somebody we didn't mention, traditional, Trace Atkins. Oh, yes, Trace Atkins was so, there. Dwight and his Yoga, set was okay. It, it just was, really yeah, was not my just, thing. You know, Trace Atkins, Dwight Yoga, that's going to be your traditional people, you know. And then, you know, they had a lot of the new, more rock and country groups that are coming in. And, and then some unknowns that, that, that were you know, getting yeah. some exposure. So some of those older traditional ones may not have been as fitting to this group. Like if you had like a Willie or a Lucas Nelson, mm -hmm. they would be more fitting to a pilgrimage festival or maybe a Bonnaroo or something like that. It's a little more, a uh, little more old traditional sound or, or even more um, with a bluegrass event or something like that. Anyway, that's all I've got to say. Do you have anything else to add? Okay. Well, thank you for You're being welcome. a part of this. I think we went over everything that I've got here. So thank you for listening and check out Hometown Rising when it comes back next year. I'm sure it'll be good.